What up, guys? Welcome to the Raising Worth podcast. Raising Worth is a family and an organization who advocates for healthy and connected families. We believe connection takes place when we truly understand the value of one another. A major focus of our mission is connecting families with the heart to adopt with the right resources. So you know the drill. We're here to highlight, uncover, and talk about people, places, and things all raising worth in their community. It could feel random at times. We'll have people on the show from all walks of life. It could be from Bitcoin to adoption and anywhere in between. Thank you so much for being here because we know you could be anywhere in the world right now. Hello, hello. What's up, guys? (laughs) Hope you guys are doing well. All right. Well, we are excited about this episode because we are going, it's, well, technically it's our first time unpacking a PDF that we have created. Um, This is a big heart, a part of our heart at Raising Worth. Um, If you didn't listen to the very first episode where we share what Raising Worth is, that's a great opportunity. It's a great resource to do because you'll get an insight of what we want to do. But essentially, um, our first year to two mission is to really unpack adoption and how to do it well and how to do it ethically and um, us just coming alongside you in that process. And so when we first were talking about raising worth and creating PDFs, Zach, the very first thing he said was like, we have to develop a PDF that's addressing the fears. Yeah. So that's what we did. So we developed this PDF, we worked together, and then what we plan to do is each PDF that we release, we are going to do a podcast series with that. And so this one is just going to be Zach and I unpacking verbally this very, you know, this PDF that you can also, by the way, get on our website, raisingworth.org. But um, we're also going to get amazing people on this podcast unpacking deeper specific fears because some, would you say, go deeper than others, right? Yeah, I would just say, I would just caveat everything with, look, we're not like clinical psychologists. We didn't go to school um, to study sociology. um, Or attachment or anything. Or any of these things. We don't understand these fields comprehensively. But what we want to do is we want to share our experience because we know that, you know, in in life, just as, as people, anytime we hear somebody else's experience, it does help us gain insight. And so for us... We want to give some high level like tips and, you know, high level pieces of advice that you guys can um, easily digest because not everybody has time to read literature oh my on gosh. all you the know, adoption books that we read. We yeah, want to condense just, and put together for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. You know, it's yeah. a lot to read through. It's a lot to sift through. So this is really our attempt at, you know, giving you guys something that <clears throat> goes over, you know, 10 different points that were fear points, I think at some level. Um, we experienced all these fears. Yeah, uh, 100%. Of these. I think everyone um, that adopts, I would argue, is kind of... Yeah. I, I would I, say 99% struggle with every single one of these. Yeah. So this is our attempt to kind of just highlight those and let you know, hey, one, it's totally okay if you're feeling this. Yeah, normal. Two, here's some things to be thinking about if you do feel these things. And yeah. as they come up, just to be able to process with your spouse. You know, this is not... Again, you know, for those of you maybe scrutinizing the podcast, this is not a, you know, perfect play by play on how to deal with like finances yep. or the psychology of adopting or anything like but that. But Zach this and is, I get DMs every know. single week about adoption and a lot of these address these top yeah. ones. So yeah. we're just going to dive right in. Um, I'm going to go through the list of the top 10. I'm going to say them real quick, just because if you're listening at the very beginning and you're thinking, do I want to listen to this whole episode? Because I'm totally guilty of that. Right. Just kind of listen to the first 10 minutes and saying, is this worth continuing? 
So the Are you ready? Here comes the overview. <laughs> Dealing with the adoption fears. Again, you can go to raisingworth.org and download this under the resources tab. But the first one is finances. The second one is one spouse is on board. The other is not or just is not quite there yet. Number three, the time it takes to complete an adoption. Number four, the possibility of health issues. Number five, attachment challenges. Number six, relationship with birth family. Number seven, adopting when you have biological kids already. Number eight, being single and pursuing adoption. Number nine, the risk of getting attached and being separated from the child, whether that be foster care, a failed adoption, etc. And number 10, behavioral challenges. So we're just going to bomb right in and we're gonna start with number one talk about money 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 <laughs> okay guys to give you context when we started our adoption i was 23 years old zach was 25 we had no money we were both in full-time missions raising 100 percent of our support traveling to the philippines and thailand um i mean we had we sold our couch for our first adoption application because for us we adopted internationally, and you have to have an application fee just to right. apply. We had no money. So let's pause right there for a second <laughs> and just say, if two really young, broke missionaries can say yes and God can make a way for them, <laughs> exactly. then you, wherever you're at listening, God can make a way for 100%. you. A hundred percent. With the finances. <laughs> you guys, we could talk about the miraculous oh financial provision of our adoption so all day long. And in seasons since Zach and I have looked at each other and said he provided radically in that, like, you remember um, we had a, a friend, a friend group, we felt like it was like two weeks after we announced or decided we were adopting. Yeah. We felt like God asked us to invest the first 5000 of our own money into it before telling anyone. So we saved. We did those things. But then, my, remember the engine of my car went out? The transmission of our Ford Escape went out. And we had, and so we were like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And a family at our church felt like God told them to give us their car um, either to sell and put it towards adoption or just to use. And so it was like amazing. Yeah. So we were able to <laughs> sell the, yes. cause what happened with the car, uh, her, her Ford was the transmission slipped. So basically we were able to sell that to a mechanic yep. who wanted to fix it up for his daughter. So we made a little bit, a little bit of money off of that yeah. and we got a free car. It was so amazing. It was, That's how it yeah, started. It was an incredible <laughs> it was so- moment of an affirmation from God saying, yes, you're headed in the right direction. But every person, right? Every person that comes into our DMs or conversations we have, then first thing is, but it's so expensive, right? Yes. So let's kind of dive into some of the stuff we wrote about practical ways to be able to afford it. it. Um, Because everybody does say, hey, this is so expensive. What the heck do we do? Yeah. So. <laughs> and also, it, it's expensive to give birth. We're pregnant with twins right now. <laughs> okay, so that's just one thing. Yeah. Uh, and you don't just say when you get pregnant, oh, like you yeah. just can't pay for the birth. Yeah. Like you find a way, yeah, right, exactly. for family. So for sure. that's a whole nother conversation. But ways that we financially were smart through our adoption. Note, our adoptions were two separate adoptions, and so it was double the expenses. Um, the first thing I want to touch on is grants. We are going to develop a PDF that highlights specific grants for specific types of adoptions because we did so much research. I mean, right. we were up for hours at night finding out. But grants are a great resource, and people yeah. do not apply for them. They just write, you know, consider themselves not eligible before they even apply. Some, most of them, you have to pay money for. You know, there's a twenty five. Yeah, there's an application fee. Yeah, but then you're getting back, you know exponentially more than what you invested yeah 
So there's that. We did so many creative fundraisers. I also think, too, just to note something that's really, really important as you start, you know, uh, the journey of, you know, raising funds or applying for grants or doing, you know, creative things, create some sort of a slogan. Yeah. Like create a mantra, create a declaration, however you want to word it, create something that reminds you of your true north. Like ours was teamwork makes the dream work. And then calling them home. Yeah. You got a word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Calling them home. Yeah. So those are the two things that we always focused on throughout the entire process. And that really helped us rally and other people rally with us. And it kind of creates a brand around the journey, which is just easy when you're crafting um, creative projects, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It helps you give a lens exactly. and a true north for everything. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we did a lot of creative stuff. Back yep. to what you were saying. We... Um, we... Okay. Obviously, we did fundraising and whatnot, but we did a lot of... We sold so much stuff. Everything that we could sell, we could... We sold our other car, remember? Mm. We sold... Yep. Um, we got into macrames like Zach, Zach and I would be sitting uh, at night. Evie like got <laughs> she did. I mean, I did you learn helped, a little bit. Yeah. Do, and so we did like nothing was out of yeah. um, our reputation. Like at yeah. that point, you know, and I think some people feel I've had a lot of people have actually say this to me. Hey, like we already have kids. Um, I feel weird fundraising as a, you know, 38 year old. Right. What does this look like? And I totally understand where they're coming from when they say that. For sure. But I feel like, when you are exploring the financial kind of like the how God is going to like bring the finances within your adoption, um, you kind of have to let go of like that. You know, it's one thing if God tells you not to fundraise for it, right? And you need to like sure. create like sometimes people refinance their house or there's other really creative ways that you can pay for it. But sometimes it's the Lord really breaking off pride. So then you yeah. are able to be a family for a child that doesn't have one. And so... Right. Yeah, there's those things. people do garage sales. We have an ado- a book that is like what creative ways to pay off an adoption, and it just does a bunch of different um, fundraising ideas and other type of f- from a financial perspective, um, professional finance like banker, you know, like uh, stocks and <laughs> help me out here. <laughs> what is it? I'm not like sure. all those ways that people invest money and then they get money back. <laughs> like there's what is this book? Well, it's a book that we had, but they're talking about different ways to be able to make profit. So then you could use that profit oh, towards okay. adoption. And you okay. get that, like, yeah, yeah, Zach's no, really and all that stuff. I did not read so, that book. She read that book, as you can tell. <laughs> um. And so when it comes to paying for adoption or, you know, c- covering that, um, the other thing that I feel like gave me a lot of relief is sometimes you'll look at the big financial mountain of adoption and remember not all 40,000 is due the first day. You have, you break up into chunks, right? Like the first payment, like even when we got a home study certified, um, cause we opened the door earlier this year to just keep making sure our home study is ready. If God opens that door and you have to remember like that first, you know, 5,000 for the home study and all the, those things, that's just one payment and you just tackle that at once. And then yeah, you go to the next stages. one. Yeah. And yeah. that breaks it up and it makes it a lot easier and less intimidating. I totally agree. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. So um, totally we'll get into kind of the more, I mean, I'm sure we'll probably have to have somebody on our podcast that really, really well, yeah, into this Yeah, I mean, it's such a big one, right? I mean, I think, I don't think there's just one person that can speak into it or like <laughs> yeah. an expert on, you know, adoption fundraising. There probably is somebody out there. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's family to family and you got to think about your strengths as a family um, and your talents. Like... You know, one thing that, uh, you know, we didn't have was, you know, 
baking skills, right? Like we're not good at <laughs> baking, know. but there's someone out there who makes killer pies maybe that wants to adopt. Yeah. Like, if if that's true, then you should bake pies and sell them, you know, to fundraise for adoption. 100%. Or maybe there is somebody out there, like maybe you're a uh, investor and you day trade or whatever. You know what? Just 100%. take like 20% of your profits from your day trading yes. and put it towards adoption. Right. It's just really important to recognize what your strengths are as a family that's good. and what resources you have and how you can utilize those when it comes to, you know, financing your adoption. Yeah, so that's super good. If you're number two. One spouse is on board, but the other is not quite there. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So Evie was fully ready to adopt. I was not. I was not. like four years old. That was like what I was saying. Yeah. And I was <laughs> not ready to adopt because I was adopted when I was like two by my father. And that's something we can all get into at another time. Oh, to clarify, my mother, it was me and my mother, single mom, um, and then my father, not my biological father, came into my life and adopted um, me as his son. So yeah. I'm kind of married in. Yep. And, you know. And then boom, he found out later in life, which affected. Which is, yeah. well, again, we'll get into that another time. Yeah. But so I had an experience mm-hmm. about, um, or I had an experience with adoption that was a lot different than Evie. And I wasn't even sure yep. that it was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Like literally that's how, that's like how far from adopting I was when she first brought it up. And for me, what it came down to was one, you know, her giving me my space and allowing me to have my own journey with it and really work through it. That was a big one. Um, And then on top of that, uh, it was for me, you know, if you're a believer and you're listening to this, it was me going to God with like my fears and my ideas of what this would look like and allowing him to challenge that and really just having a feedback loop with the Lord and reading, you know, in the word and looking for places where it talks about adoption and uh, just being open to, you know, changing my mind. And basically, you know, obviously, obviously you guys know how that story went. Like I realized I was completely wrong and full of different fears. Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of the time that's what is, you know, causing one spouse to maybe drag their feet a little bit is like they're actually afraid about something. Yeah. You know, and I don't know what that fear is, but that fear for me uh, was particularly that if we adopted children, they would feel um, detached from their, you know, their the origin story, like where they came from you know, who they are, that they would feel detached from that. And, and we can dive into that another time. But that was literally my fear. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had to deal with that and, and, and walk yeah. through that. But And I think another huge part of you getting on board was being a part of missions, being exposed to the injustice, obviously, of human trafficking, uh, all of that. Seeing the brokenness of the world and seeing so many children without homes, you, I mean, that really broke your heart. And that yeah. was another big part of you being like, okay, this is a need. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I think I think that definitely impacted me. You know, there's no way that that can't impact you right. when you go and you see that big need. Um but I think at the end of the day it was just there was a deep fear even though I knew there was a need, even though I saw the injustice going on in the world, there was still a deep fear inside of me. Yeah. That uh ultimately it it came down to yeah, I don't know how else to describe it, but just 
the Lord changing my heart and yeah. and and the people around me allowing uh-huh. me to have space in that journey. And I, so. I get a lot of these questions in my inbox of saying my husband just is afraid that he won't love our adopted child the same way or, you know, and I think um, – and I'm not assuming that it's always the husband, by the way, because I know sometimes it's actually the husband that wants it often. It's the wife that's kind of still nervous to jump all in. But um, a lot of the fear, like I feel a lot of these will trickle into other fears that we're talking about. You know what I mean? For sure. And so um, so I guess we can just jump right into the next one, which is fear number three, the timeline of adoption. And if you want to, uh, we'll let you in on a secret. There's two things about adoption that you're just you're gonna like two things adoption is defined by waiting and the timeline is unknown okay it doesn't matter if it's international if it's domestic if it's foster care if it's anything there is zero way of knowing how long your process is going to be because there's so many moving pieces in every adoption and so the timeline of adoption you hear these stories of like oh yeah they became home study certified and 25 minutes later they were placed. And then you hear these other stories like for us within, um, you know, Liberian adoption. Oh, so-and-so is in the process for nine years. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, how do they have the resilience to keep going? Right. That's the thing about adoption and timeline. When you're saying yes to adoption, you're saying yes to being like basically stepping forward in the unknown. Right. And so that's something that you're going to just learn, have to learn how to wait well. Right. You know, there's our, yeah, <laughs> matching, our, there's yeah, all of it. Yeah, there, it's, I mean, it's it's a process. Even like a natural birth. Yeah. There's a cadence to natural birth. You know, it takes time from the first trimester to right. the second trimester. Like there's things, there's development yep. that takes place, right? Yep. And so there is somewhat of a natural timeline. It looks different for each quote-unquote adoption yeah. birth, if you will. Yep. But... There is some sort of a cadence and just like anything in life, you know, there's a waiting process. But on a positive note, when it comes to long timelines, it does give you more time to fundraise if it's prepare. not fully funded. Yes, and that's prepare. What I was, I'm glad you so mentioned that. So you can, that. you know, flip the perspective a little bit and think about, yeah. man, this is actually somewhat of a blessing, even though it's hard, even though it's excruciating to some degree because – there's this beautiful little boy, a beautiful little girl, yeah. you know, on the other end that you can't wait to call yeah. son or daughter. Right. And you know that they're going to be in your family. That is incredibly difficult. Right. But the same time, it, you know, it does, it is kind of a blessing. Yeah. It allows time and to you think know about what it. It's so funny. It's like, so. I feel like, I don't know if you felt this way, but when we first started, it was one of those things where you just always assume you're going to be the exception to the rule. So you ask the agency, like, you know, you're going through all your filtered questions, making sure they're an ethical, you know, sure. organization. You're going through all that. And then you're like, well, what's the average is the first question of, you know, this program. And then the next question is, what's the fastest? And I remember thinking, oh, we are going to be so fast. Our process is going to be so quick. It's gonna, like people, we're just going to set the new standard. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh. like, for example, we got matched. I definitely um, was not thinking that. <laughs> Yeah, see, that's me being no so optimism. Yeah, Zach was. We're also the type where we didn't sleep for like three months because we wanted to crank through all of that paperwork because we didn't want to have to worry about it. And so we busted our butt. Which to I apply would recommend doing. Every grant, I agree. 100%. We we applied for every grant. We applied. We got our home study done in record time. Like we were like, let's get this done. So when we're sitting around waiting, it's we're waiting on 
movement on the other side. They're not, not waiting us. for us. Yeah. Right. Do not. Yeah. Do not be the one exactly. that is being waited on. That's and that's sure. a part of the timeline, right? Yeah. You see so many people that have been, there's a difference between being lazy and just you taking, know, your taking your time yeah. and just being intentional with timeline and submitting yeah. to, you know, God and like how he's designing all of that process. But all of that to say, um, you know, your process, like you really are able to do things. So then it can be, you know, you're not, they're not waiting on you. But then the other thing I'll say is, um, I just lost my train of thought. What was it? Oh, the developing, like you were saying, the trimesters, that oh, yeah. waiting, like for us, we were matched in December of 2016. We got a call 10 days after being matched that Asa was deathly ill and um, they didn't know if he was going to make it. And then uh, basically over yeah, they, the months. Yeah, they knew that he had a very severe illness. Yeah. And they were like, this is where he's at. Which makes every day yeah. when your heart beats on the other side of the ocean that you haven't met yet. It made every day feel like years. And at that point, they didn't know when we'd be able to travel. Ebola was in the middle of the epidemic in Liberia. Like there were so many unknowns. And so that is kind of another part of the yes is just saying, okay, I'm saying yes to this child, no matter what, no matter the timeline, no matter if an epidemic happens in the middle of it, no matter like what. And what was so special is in that season for me as a mother, and I would love to do a whole podcast series on this is like, that's really when I learned how to pray for my kids before they were my kids, if that makes sense. Like, remember I would go into that empty crib and I would just sing and, and it developed such a sense of obviously trust in the Lord, but you have no other option, right? You can't manufacture, like create movement. So then all of a sudden you can fly to Liberia and have your child. You have to wait on this um, process and, you know, this other country that doesn't have the same, you know, standards as far as organization and technology and all those things. And so it's like, you're just waiting. So for context, our adoption from very, very start to finish was, um, I believe 21 months. Um, so um, basically two years and that was very, very fast, Yeah, very, very fast. So, um, and it felt fast too. It doesn't feel like two years. And the like extreme, you know, opposite example was one of the families had been waiting for nine years and, uh, yeah, it was an honor to be able to like help push that through and facilitate that on the other end over in Liberia. Uh Um, but goodness, like God bless their resilience and God bless their resolve and really just counting the cost and, you know, staying true. But those are kind of, you know, from nine to, for two to nine years, you know, that's. And we submitted our dossier, uh, in October of 2016. And then we traveled to Liberia in June of 2017. So that is actually the fastest. That was the fastest part. Yeah. Uh, so the 21 months is from the beginning of us starting the home study process yep. to when we completed their adoption stateside. Yep. So. So number four. Yep. What is it? Possibility of health issues. Oh, which we brought up just a second ago. Did we? Yeah. You were oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That That's phone right. Call. Yeah. Um, and, and this is something that um, as you're going through adoption paperwork, they'll actually ask you about this. Um, on paper, they'll say, uh, what are you open to? Uh, special needs. And there's different levels of special needs that they um, actually qualify. So some are like cosmetic issues. Other are actual, you know, genetic or physical issues. So they'll ask you other things they ask is like, you know, if the baby was exposed to drug use or alcohol use. Yep. There's a lot of these questions that they'll ask you. And the reason this is another reason we want to do stuff like this 
if you're seeing that for the first time on a piece of paperwork and you've never thought about this before, it's a little intimidating. It is terrible. Like for us, we didn't know they were going to ask us that question. It wasn't even something we had thought about and prior getting on the to same it, page really. as a spouse on the things you're open to yeah, is it that's takes not time. Some, yeah, it's not something you just check. You yeah. talk through that. You stuff. talk, you pray, you yes. counsel with people. So hopefully, um, you know, if you're thinking about adopting, you're hearing this right now. Uh, this is something to really consider. Like yeah. what type of, of health, you know, issues are you willing to, um, you know, take on? Yep. And um, if not, if you're not willing to take on any health issues, your process is going to probably be very long. Would you agree? Because a It'd lot be of longer. Yeah. A lot of but kids... a good agency won't recommend you to uh, be fueled by guilt. No. Remember we were we were. No, not at all. Oh, no, but no, just, I wasn't saying you were saying yeah, that. Yeah, but, I'm just saying, yeah. like, just in general, there's a lot of these children that are being adopted, what right. I'm trying to say. Yeah. They've been exposed to, oh, you my know, gosh. drugs or yeah, alcohol or just so much. really hard situations. Yeah. So, 100%. Um, just kind of off the bat, just yep. setting, you know, setting that. And educating on those things, right? Context. Like, when we went through the adoption training the second round for a domestic adoption just earlier yeah. this year, we learned so much about alcohol um, exposure, drug exposure. Like, I remember we were seeing that class and we were like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. I would have had the fl- flipped. And, you know, so you just get educated on those oh, things. Oh, like which one affects the child more. Yeah. And yeah. just educating on what, when you're saying yes to something, understanding, yeah, I might say yes to say cleft lip, but those things are fixable or, or you know, whatever it may be. Or, um, you know, for us, we said no on every single special needs, our first adoption. What happens? Our son comes home and he gets diagnosed with not only a special need, but a genetic terminal illness. And so not curable. And that is something throughout the adoption process that they always, a good agency will inform you on is, hey, the risk of a child having an undiagnosed diagnosis upon coming home is, is, you know, that can happen. Yeah. It's possible. And so we said, yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially when they're coming from such an extreme third world, obviously they don't have a level of care to be able to diagnose the same things. And so, um, that for our experience in the same way that when, you know, you have a child that is, you, you know, it comes out of the womb with X, Y, Z, you don't say like you you move forward with it, right? Yeah, you okay, that's no... still our child. Yeah. We said yes to this child yeah. because we said yes to this child because we said yes to God yeah. and being a family for a child doesn't have exactly. one. Exactly. And, and then you move forward with a game plan and yeah. with faith and with being able to okay, perfect example, Ace would not be able to get treatment if he were in Liberia. Right. If this the way that our family didn't like unravel. And so yeah. there's so many still beautiful miraculous parts of our story despite the brokenness of his diagnosis. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point that you bring up. And I think it's really important to clarify that it's really no different from a natural birth in that sense. Yeah. That you have no idea right. what autoimmune disease maybe, what genetic disease potentially, you know, your child is going to be born with. Obviously, you have family history to base things off of, medical family history. So maybe you can kind of ballpark what issues, you know, the child might be born with. But at the same time, there's so many medical anomalies. Like you just never know right. what a child will be born with. So it's really no different. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, there's possible health risks for an adopted child. And, and so there is with yes, natural birth. Exactly. So I think it's really important because I think a lot of the times adoption gets framed into being this completely different thing. Yep. And it is in a lot of ways. I'm yep. not saying it's the same thing. But there's so many similarities in the risk factors at play are similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. 
there are it. very similar risk factors. So, um, yeah. That's good. Anyways. Okay. Let's flow into number five, attachment challenges. Um, this is probably the biggest assumption that you're going to adopt a child and that there's going to be attachment challenges, right? Like every yeah. single person is like, okay, I'm going to get this child that has so many behavioral stuff going on. There's just no way we can attach. There's it's no just way. It's just going to be an uphill battle to start. Yes. Which yeah. I think is really one of the issues with it. Like you're setting yourself up. Right. For that. Right. And the way that Zach always talks about it is he's like, okay, so when you meet a stranger for the first time, you're not just instantly like you, you always make that analogy of yeah. like, there's, there's this exchange of, okay, hi, what's your name? Okay. Yeah. And then you develop trust and then there's consistency and then trust is increased and yeah. there's this relationship that's being established. Right. And so yeah. for us, yeah. that was really a thing of like, huge. yeah, of, of course these uh, most often, even, you know, newborn adoptions, um, there are things you have to unravel yeah. that these children have been through and what an honor that you get to be the family in the safe place to unravel it with right. them through. And so, um, there's so many amazing resources that connect a child, you know, um, yeah. she's like basically the attachment guru of all adoption. Um, but there's so many other incredible teachers that teach on attachment and, um, and that's a big thing. Like What's his name is something Siegel. Uh, yeah. Dr. Siegel. Yep. Yeah. Good yeah. job. Um, yeah. And He's a good guy to check out. Yeah. There's so, we, and we'll probably put together a PDF of just attachment um, resources. Again, we're not professionals. This is just different content that we've learned from. Um, but something that, to remind you is it's not always just the child attaching to you that's a challenge. Often it's also you attaching to the child in a way that uh, you are able to prepare your heart. And because you have maturity, because you right. you're older, you're able to Hopefully. get counsel. You're <laughs> able to get wisdom. You're able to get you know, through prayer. Like yeah. for me, I know that was a process, you know, <laughs> our daughter, said, hopefully we both, yeah. we both I mean, every, every that. single attachment story and journey is and, so, so different yeah. and beautiful. But for us, like yeah. I, I didn't instantly attach to our kids. I loved them. I loved the story unraveling, but the actual knitting of our hearts, it took a while. And so that's just something, if you're like considering adoption and you're like, I'm just nervous that I'm not going to attach the same way I would to a biological child. I really challenge you, trust me, like it, when you fully commit yourself to another human being, uh, in the same way you do with in marriage or in the same way you do with like, just when you're like, Hey, I'm with you for life because I love you. It is amazing how your heart just explodes to be able to like, it it just (laughs) expands and all of a sudden you love these human beings so much. And now we're at the point, like we get all the time now that we're pregnant with twins. Oh, what's, what do you think it's going to be like? Do you think you're going to love differently? And I'm like, no, our children are our children. This attachment is developed and, and built because we're family because of the way that we've all bonded, not because DNA, not because of, you know? And so, um, yeah, I just, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about because attachment is such a special, it's hard on both ends, but it's such a special reward yeah. to like be a safe place for your child and then your child be a safe place for you. It's beautiful. Um, I think adoption facilitates these relationships that otherwise probably wouldn't exist. And, you know, it's this really, really cool thing like Birdie and Asa, they are our children. It's like literally as if we birthed them ourselves and even their personalities, the way that they think, you know, they just, they absorb the family, you know, DNA, the family mindset and 
they literally become like these spinning images, um, you know, of you. And I think a lot of people don't believe that that's possible. Uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, uh, have talked to us who are like, man, I just can't wait for you to experience what it's like, you know, to have your children in the hospital. And I'm like, well, that's very, very kind. Like, I can't wait for you to experience what it's like to adopt a child. Like, it's one yeah. of the most amazing <laughs> totally. things totally. that anyone could ever experience. And yeah. I know what they mean by 100%, that, yeah. right? Like, I, it's not like I really appreciate people saying totally. that. It's beautiful. But really, I do mean it. At the same time, like, the attachment journey that takes place with adoption is one of the most beautiful things yes. that we've ever experienced. Yeah. And I think the most important, two important things, I'd say the most two important things that you, you kind of hit on. One is dealing with your own fears. Like, yes. you know, like that's why we're doing this P- this PDF here is like you want to be fear free at least as much as you can be coming to meet your children. Yes. They can, you know, they can sense apprehension yes. and when they're not fully being embraced. And, you know, it's it's not like just because they're children, they don't comprehend things they comprehend very deep things they just might not be able to verbalize it right so it's just so important that your heart is in such a place of receiving them and and being able to invite them in and the second thing is that you do not come in and expect them to look at you off the bat as mom and dad totally you cannot expect that just all of a sudden and sometimes that we're happens. sharing from the con- from the perspective of adopting a child i mean our t- kids were two one and two yeah so um you know sure. play into your own experience or kind of but yeah yeah no absolutely i i mean just you you can't expect like when you know you're coming into a child's life who's never met you even yeah. if it is a an eight month newborn it just because you know you're coming and you're holding them and you're feeding them it doesn't mean necessarily that there's going to be that you know attachment always instantly. right like instantly yeah. yeah yes exactly so good yeah so you know one of the things is just being able to leave space for that that attachment to happen is all i'm trying to get at is just saying like there's just got to be a space for them to attach to you and, and vice versa so That's yeah good. yep All right, we're going to move into fear number six, relationship with the birth family. So with this one, it is obviously totally normal to have concerns. When we went through our adoption training in January to be um, domestic, home study proof for domestic adoption, the very beginning, it's a three-day training. And the first training, everybody's like, okay, the trainers say, who wants a closed adoption? And basically everyone stands up. And by the end of the class, three days later, after you get educated on what an open adoption is, how how special being able to foster a relationship with your family's birth family, if that's an option, um, um, it basically by the end of the training, everyone stood up, right? Yeah, like, it was like way more people were <clears throat> willing to have an open adoption after being educated on what that actually meant. Right. And you learn throughout the training, like an open adoption doesn't mean that you're having them over for dinner every month or every week. Like an open adoption just means that the conversation's open, like they have access to communicate and that's agreed upon in your adoption of how often, sometimes it's once a year, sometimes it's even less than that. Um, And, you know, like for some people, it's extra like when you don't even have the option to have a relationship with any type of birth family of your family, it's sad, right? So being able to actually look forward to being able to foster a relationship with your child's birth family is so special. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so many different um, 
so many different things that you can uncover in having a relationship with uh, your adopted child's birth family. Yeah. Um, medical stuff was one of the things for us. Yep. Um, there were some medical issues that our daughter was having, and it was seemed a little bit mysterious, but as we talked with you know the birth mom a little bit more, it all made sense. Right. So there, there are certain things that are really positive to keeping it open. Yeah, and like I think we realized how special being able to have a relationship with the birth family is when you're actually given the opportunity. Right. Um, because yeah. for some people, it's just instantly revoked, and you yeah. don't even have that option, and yeah. so you don't realize how special it is until it's off the table. And so. Yeah, that's right. As you just continue, like, and you just get nervous, like, oh, whether it's a newborn adoption or foster care, you know, sometimes with foster care, there's a whole nother conversation, mainly because sometimes you'll understand what the child was exposed to. And so then you have this um, different relationship of, okay, well, what does it look like to even have a relationship with them? And that's something that you get to pray into. That's something that you get counsel on of how to um, be able to, yeah, just how to navigate that. Right. Yeah, that's good. So um, we'll definitely have someone on the podcast with that um, specifically for foster care, because I think that that's probably the biggest uh, one of the biggest hurdles within foster care is just navigating. Like, what does that look like? You know, Okay, fear number seven, adopting after you have had biological kids. We'll have to get someone on the podcast. That's that's never happened. um, Hasn't happened for for us. us. (laughs) yeah it is uh, a different it's a whole different playing field right because it's easier to write things off like or it's easier to delay things it's easier to um there's less of a quote urgency usually because you've got your hands full your life Mm. is like you know it's going it's it's like full on and so um yeah it's just a whole different and just being able to talk and communicate with your family of what it looks like to be able to adopt again like for us we know we'll adopt again right um and right now we're pregnant with biological kids and so for us like whenever we talk with Bernie and Asa right they're yeah. always like oh we're gonna adopt more kids yeah. and so we're openly having this conversation understanding our family is right. is always growing and evolving and it's not complete until God says it's complete yeah yeah that's really good and another thing I'd add to that is just from conversations we've had with families that have adopted after they had children. You know, one of the things we, you know, we write about this in the PDF is really simple is just preparing, you know, your children, like having that conversation with them, keeping them involved in it, asking them questions about how they feel. And this might seem like a no brainer and maybe it is a no brainer, but just to say, keep them in the loop, have that conversation with them and just ask them how they're feeling about everything. Um, you know, being able to trust your children with with their hearts and their fears and maybe their apprehensions or even what they're just excited about and coming alongside them and celebrating um, is something that we've seen, you know, a couple of families do really, really well. And uh, yeah. And like we're the opposite, right? That's yeah. what we're doing with our kids. Yeah. Like we're telling them all yeah. about the evolution of our babies growing each week with the app. It tells us, you know, and so we're preparing our kids heart to prepare for you know yeah, growth siblings but yeah. differently yeah and not be afraid that mommy and daddy's hearts are too small yeah like we their always hearts talk are big about enough that. to love everybody yeah and that's really uh, where you get to establish your kids. culture yeah. as a family yeah. right like that right there will often kind of um that says a lot about the family that you you've been given and how you're fostering that with how your family will respond yeah. to continue growth right that's good. like yeah. 
So long story short on that, um, we're going to find somebody who knows a lot more uh, practical tips and yeah. <laughs> advice. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And we'll have them speak about that. Yeah. Um, fear number eight, adopting while single. Oh my gosh, I have so many girls flood into my DMs about this specific thing. Every girl is like, I want to adopt, but I'm not married. What do I do? <laughs> and my question every time is, did you pray about it? Literally. We have so many amazing, powerful single friends that have adopted, and it's amazing to come alongside them. And there are different challenges. Yes, obviously they're single. So, you know, there's just, I mean, that's a whole nother superpower. But um, like, it doesn't like, I think people assume that there's a prerequisite with adoption to be married and that's not a thing, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of really amazing, powerful women who have just gone for it and, 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 and have a few, built a few men that families. we know Even that are like, what's awesome. her face? Who has the, she's the Lisa, is that her name? She adopted that sweet little girl. From Ghana? From Ghana. Ellie. That's no, 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 no. Ellie. The lady's name. What's oh, uh, Rebecca. No, no, no. The famous like author. Oh, Lisa Harper. Lisa. Yeah, yeah Lisa, Lisa Harper, Harper like, adopted. That's oh, like, and her story's part. That's a yeah, perfect that's example. I'm, I'm like, glad you brought that up. It's such a beautiful relationship. Yes. She, like literally Missy, her mom her was daughter. Like, yeah, Missy. It's like yeah. her best friend. It's like yes. best friends. So, so and that whole totally, she's story married, right? of that was that she wanted to adopt when she was 40 years old. She went to a women's Bible study and one of the women at her Bible study, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, so this isn't exactly it, but somebody said, oh, honey, how terrible you would bring a, a child into a home with no father. That's not the structure that like is intended. Like, oh, no, 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 you should not do that. And so she went home and threw the adoption application away. And then she ended up adopting, I think when she was like 52, 50 or 52, somewhere around there. Um, you know, a decade later, she was talked out of it from a woman at a Bible study, like just the, and then later, and obviously it was so God because the way her, you know, her child at the time wasn't even born yet. So God, you like, he's so sovereign, but that's such a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. And we, I have somebody specific, our good friend, Kate adopted five yeah. beautiful babies yeah. out of the foster care. Too. Yeah. And it's like, you, you often with, when you had adoptions Pretty on your amazing. heart, there is definitely the conversation of saying, am I jumping the gun out of this deep, deep dream? And like, that is definitely something you want to make sure that you're aware of. Like, okay, is this me forcing this? Right. Um, or is it, or, or is this God really, really asking me to step into it? And that's where you have counsel. That's mm. where you have people alongside you. Um, if you are pursuing adoption single, then you're, you have an army alongside you. That's going to really like carry Community the load with you. you. Yeah. Like, uh, but um, like yeah. the only qualification to adopt is to have a surrendered heart, really. And so if you combine a surrendered heart with an individual that has a deeply rooted support system, then I think it's a powerful place to bring a child into. So, so uh, okay, fear number nine, the risk of getting attached and then being separated. Ugh. Yeah. The biggest that's, fear. Yeah, that's I probably mean, the one of the biggest That's probably fears. the biggest, yeah. And definitely... Oh, I mean, something that naively I don't think I considered being a possibility of happening during our process, but could have easily happened. Absolutely. When I look back, I'm like, oh, yeah, it just brings back so many memories of situations where it was literally close to, close to the adoption process not going through. There was one point we were like almost at the end of our adoption process. And to spare you the details and, you know, the long story, basically someone in one of the agencies on the Liberian side basically decided, like, I don't know if any of these adoptions are real. I don't even know if I'm going to sign off. 
and you know put my stamp of approval oh a government official on, yeah yeah uh, sorry yeah government official yeah anyways very very scary situation like oh the amount of stress and like and that's know. like right like, that's like the so, quote the famous quote you hear like to risk is to love or yeah whatever. exactly like that we were is already, always a risk yeah because we were already so in love with birdie and ace at oh, that point i mean gosh. we were you know two and a mm-hmm. half months invested yeah. spending time with them and so anyways and you hear these horror stories right yeah, you hear the horror story, like totally. um a big influencer Ashley and Mike, uh, I don't know how to say their last name, LeMay or something, um, they fostered and they adopted, from what I understand, they were fostering two children for like a decade, raised them, and then out of nowhere, the biological parents came forward and and then they got separated. And you hear those stories and you're like, that's going to for sure happen to me. Yeah, we had some family friends here that flew to the birth. That's right. Child, baby was born, and then and the they held defi- the baby, the and place. then it was like a day later, the mother was like, I can't go through with this. And, and that's so always that's domestically? On the table. That, that, yeah, that, like, was, a domes- that, up, that was a domestic yeah. adoption. Domestic especially, at any point, these, yeah. these birth moms are allowed and openly inv- invited to parent. Yeah. And that is something that if you are genuinely for the heart of adoption, then obviously your heart is involved and you've connected with this child, but you have to surrender that like that could happen. And you have, if you're really for adoption, then that means that that birth mother is now feeling capable in her heart to be a home. And so successful, that is the best case adoption. You're not going to go pick out a baby you are becoming a family for a child that doesn't have one and so of course there's so much emotion involved when a heartbreak like that happens we have had so many friends go and can you imagine bringing an empty baby seat back on a plane or going home and seeing an empty crib and being like oh that's supposed to be my baby but what you do when all disappointment in life happens you pivot you say, okay, God, obviously you are the, you engineered this entire thing. Like you are the author of all of families you like, you know, and so uh, not letting that disappointment totally yeah. construct you to say, okay, okay. I'm closing off my heart to adoption. The risk of a match falling apart is very, very it's high, yeah. but guess what? The risk of you becoming a family for a child that doesn't have one and just being so overwhelmed with love is one hundred percent Yeah, it's one hundred percent there. It's just a matter of what that journey ends up looking like. And at the end of the day, adoption is messy. Messy. It's so messy. I mean, a lot of the reason why these children are, you know, up for adoption is because some sort of a mess occurred. You know, right. however you want to word it. Yeah. Like there's been circumstances that have been messy that have led up to this point. And so it's not clear and cut. You never know what's going to happen fully. Um, and yeah, at any point, like this can happen. Yeah. You know, there there can be, you know, separation that occurs. And right. So at the end of the day, you have to count the cost and you just have to like <laughs> be willing to face that if, yep. it, if it does happen. If it happens. So, yeah. 100%. Yeah. All last, right. Fear number 10 yeah, is fear. behavioral challenges. Um, I feel like we kind of, touched on this with attachment challenges, yeah. behavioral challenges. That's obviously a common one that people assume, oh, if I adopt out of foster care or if I adopt internationally or if I adopt, my child will struggle Have with all behavior. Have horrible behavior yeah. issues. Right. Yeah. And again, um, 
total like we want to make sure we always highlight the best resources that we've read the connected child even if you've never adopted every parent should, should read, read this it's like <laughs> so it's amazing good at explaining how to connect with children that's yes. really what it comes down to yes um but yeah, these extreme cases of like oh this child was like biting you know my right. arm off or you right. know hurting itself or whatever um but the root and the thesis kind of of the book is that any parent fully committed to a child will be able to be connected to them and you'll be able to move into healing so then right. those behavioral things are you right. know healed or you know grown throughout you know whatever language we want to use so um yeah you know getting rooted with professional counseling like those professionals that know what they're doing yeah. like get them involved from the beginning Absolutely. and the other thing like zach mentioned earlier with attachment what better setup can a child come into than a family that's already pursuing healing yeah so with us we've always we've learned this from um so many different people, but we're so open with our kids that we are also broken, that we, you know, we're always apologizing to them. Hey, mommy, you know, lost her temper and she didn't use nice words or she didn't have a kind heart and I'm sorry I did this or whatever. And so when you recognize your own, you know, poorly behaved choices or your poor yeah. be- behavior, it invites this family culture of, okay, you're not just always pointing fingers, but then the child can say, oh, I'm recognizing this isn't the behavior that my family has set the standard in. But guess what? That takes like pioneering. That takes consistency. That takes yeah. coming back to, um, you know, our kids are five, five and four. And we're constantly saying, is that how we act in this home? Right. No. You know, and even like just with Zach and I, like, like, just, is that how we're going to act? Is this how we're going to behave right. when X things happen? Right. And just always pursuing wholeness as a family it's so special yeah that's really good yeah i was gonna i was gonna say something you triggered some thought yeah, in my yeah, head i saw your but head go off and i kind of lost it but i feel I like maybe it was about healing was I it think about it's coming back to okay. me right now i think it's <laughs> okay <laughs> um what well was if it? it comes back um oh, the, go ahead what i was gonna say is just allowing there to be no Allowing there to be a space that doesn't have a timeline or a deadline on totally. it when it comes to behavioral change, yeah, and and those challenges. Um, I feel like we just really set ourselves up for failure when we like expect a child to do this a by perfect, this date. Yeah, a little perfect doll. Right. It's just, I mean, children are all so different. Yes. And especially if we're talking about a child with behavior <laughs> behavioral challenges, like. If you're talking about a child that's coming from that place, they're they're probably going to need more time mm-hmm. to heal and adjust than maybe a child that you know has grown up in a, a perfectly normal circumstance. Yeah. Um, normal being relative, but right. you know, not putting a deadline on their their behavior changing, letting them know that no matter what, I'm here for you. I see you. Yep. I see your pain. I love you. We're going to get through this. Like, just really, like, eye to eye, in the dirt, like, not expecting them to be, you know, perfect. Um, So, just today, Asa had water therapy, and I haven't told you this yet, but he got his second time out of the day, and our water therapist is amazing, and she said, and we were just talking to Asa about how when we make poor decisions, Jesus still loves us, but that doesn't invite us to always keep making poor decisions. Was it yesterday or the day before? And so we were saying there's consequences, you know, whatever. Uh, and then we started singing the Jesus Loves Me song. So then at water therapy today, after his second uh, timeout, 
he came back into the pool to continue a therapy and then he just started singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. <laughs> he kept telling her, well, Jesus still loves me. He's recovering from. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I was hilarious. like, okay, A, buddy, why were you talking about twice? Were you not listening? You know, we're going to have to talk about that. But B, wow, that really stuck in his head that yeah. even when he gets in trouble, Jesus still loves him. <laughs> Which I can't get I'm at like, me, Jesus par- still loves <laughs> yeah. Parenting, I'm like, okay, that's a that's a, a win. Yeah, for but sure. But then at the same time, obviously we need to teach learn them the that. details. Yeah, yeah. yeah, learn the nuances. But. but just being able to like beha- with behavioral challenges and like giving you space as a parent to be able to um, also seek counsel, like just as a parent, and then connect with other parents that have been through that. Like, if you seriously are considering adopting and you're nervous that you're just going to be matched with a child that has you know unhealable past. Well, think again, like if your heart really is open to running with this child and it really yeah. like pursuing healing as a family, then I I know that you guys will be a powerful family unit. So good. Yeah. So yeah, it is, uh, adoption is a very unclear journey. It's a beautiful journey yes. and there's a lot of unknown. And I think that's why it triggers so many fears inside of us because right. typically we in general as humans, we fear the unknown, but just know that it's well worth it and there are so many people out there you know you just have to dig a little bit that are willing to share their stories yep. that have adopted um and there's a lot of resources out there adoption is the most beautiful thing so beautiful that you can experience and i wish that somebody would have walked you and i through these two yeah, fears the beginning and that's sure. something we, we are not like focused on the negative type of people at all but the reason we developed this pdf is because people would come into our you know, into emails or whatever right. communication, and they'd say, "We want to do this, but." Yep. And so our Always. hope with this episode and with this PDF is that sometimes when you can just call it what it is, and yeah. then you're like, "Okay, oh, that's what it is." I'm nervous yeah. that they're gonna have behavioral challenges, yep. or I'm nervous that it's not gonna be paid for. It's too expensive. When you can call it what it is, and then you say, "Well, guess what? This is what God says about it." Exactly. Or, this is a testimony I can stand yeah. on that I believe can happen to us. Yeah. That's yeah. when and families are are growing. Absolutely. And you're totally right. We are not focused on the negative people at all, yes. which is why we created this because we don't want people to have to focus on right. the negative during the process. Yes. We want people to be able to get it out of the way. Yes. Like all these fears that are hindering you, all these problems that you're thinking about in the back of your brain that you don't even know you're thinking about. Let's get them on the table, out of the way. So, so your adoption that you can, just, can be marked by peace. Yes, marked by peace so that you can be focused on all of the beautiful things about adoption. So that's, you know, that's where the the heart of it really comes from. Where our heart is completely behind raising worth. We want your family to be fully, fully raising the worth around the world, right? And when we are adopting well, when we are adopting really, really pure hearts throughout the adoption process, things change and families grow and they grow in purity and they grow in humility. And it's just, oh, right. It's so beautiful. So anything you want to say um, about this PDF? Just, um, yeah, read it. Please give us your honest feedback. Yeah. We're going to, I would imagine, later on down the road, create a more comprehensive version of this. We're going to have people um, to unpack specific yeah, ones of these. Exactly. We'd love to eventually get experts in each area to speak to you know, certain things so you guys can have more strategy to employ. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. yeah, to deploy. Yeah, and just more counsel um, as yeah, people more are counsel. considering all this. So, yeah, read it. Give us uh, your feedback, all that. Thank you, guys. And as always, we are embarrassingly easy to find. Yes. You can reach out to Zach on Instagram at Z-A-C Hepworth, H-E-P-W-R-T-H. Um, or you can find me, E-B Hepworth, 
or you can find Raising Worth and you can find <laughs> us there. Like I said, embarrassingly easy to find. Yep. So until next episode, keep Raising Worth keep in raising your family, worth. in your little sphere of the world. Thank you, guys.